intention interior trucking companies if you are relying on facility insurance you could be overpaying reduce your insurance cost by 10000 or more per truck and good news we accept drivers with only 1 years of experience to learn more just send us text by typing insurance to 3653640714 thank you and i think that's the struggle that we deal with right now is do we do we shut down again whether it's know a canadian country or a u.s country do we shut it down and lose that revenue stream or do we just heal and get better and deal with it you know and now obviously with you know the u.s market obviously there's there's stimulus money coming in but that's not free money i mean that's and that is rick longobart of longobart and ross and we're talking about covid and all the effects that it might be having on trucking companies fleets and municipalities even and how he can provide or his company can provide some really interesting data and resources for you to make better and smarter equipment decisions. That and more. Uh, join us this week on the Dog On It Trucking Podcast. And just very quickly, a word from our sponsor. This week's episode is sponsored by none other than a safety dog. Did you know that we have five minute safety videos that are sent to your drivers? The drivers answer a quick quiz and now you've got documentation that every month your drivers are being trained. Can you imagine? And it's inexpensive. I'd say cheap as hell, but I'd go with inexpensive. Um, Anyways, if you want some more information on that, go to the dog, dawgspeaks.com and get all the info there. With that, on with the show. Welcome to the Dog On It Trucking Podcast. When it comes to trucking safety, the dog is on it. Hey, Rick, welcome to the Dog On It Trucking Podcast. How are you, my friend? Good, Chris, and thanks for having us today. It's our pleasure to be here. Well, I'm I'm missing your partner because from the the photos I've seen, she's the better looking one. But you know, she's not only better looking, but she's also the smarter one. So <laughs> I'm just a, a crusty old fleet manager. So at any given time, if this doesn't go well, we can always bring her into the video. Well, that, as I say, she would be the eye candy, I suspect. But you know, I, I'm from my point of view, I'm stuck with you. But, uh, yes. Well, and the nice thing about this interview is if we put our heads together, we kind of look the same. So, you know. <laughs> well, I do have my, uh, my trusty Harry, oh, there you go. Harry outfit. So, hey, well, Very good. tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, because we've never even shaken hands yet, but I met you through our mutual friend, um, uh, Ron Zima, the idle free guy. So tell me about, Rick Longobart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, we live on, on different borders, but hopefully at some point in time in the not too distant future, when we get back uh, past the COVID, hopefully we will have that opportunity to actually shake hands and, and do some work in person. Until that time, uh, Chris, a little background about myself is, is I was a fleet manager for 32 years. I worked for three different municipal agencies for 32 years working uh, as a fleet manager. So I have a great deal of experience in in fleet and as well as facilities and, and sustainability programs that I've done with government agencies. And I officially retired from the government in 2015 after 32 years. However, prior to that, uh, we actually launched uh, Longobar Ross Consulting in 2013, 
my business partner, Cynthia Ross. Uh, we, we will officially be in business uh, eight years as of December 2021. And we do a lot of consulting for fleets nationwide and including Canada. And we go into fleets across the nation. And from a consulting perspective, we go in and we help them find ways to reduce costs, save money, and be a more efficient operation. Okay, so your company is trying to help them save money and be a more efficient operation. How do you, okay, you know, you've, you've got the experience of 32 years as a fleet manager. Sorry, just before we go into that, were you with one organization for 32 years or? Yeah, yeah, great question. And I, I got to say, doggone it, Chris. That's a good question because I'm sure you've never heard that cliche before, but I had to throw it at least one time during this interview because I'm sure that's, that's incredibly original, right? But to answer your question is, is I was with three different organizations and, and as you become more efficient in your trade, naturally you have a tendency to get recruited by other government agencies. So I've hopscotched around with three different organizations throughout the course of my career, but they've all been in, in the city and municipal arena. So the kind of the touch and feel all, all were very similar and, and same. And, and, and to give you a little more background, if I could, just jump right a little bit more into the interview. What we do is, from a consulting perspective, is we're brought in by either a private or, or government fleet, and, and they have guidelines as to what they're trying to achieve. And, and in some cases, they just are totally lost in the, in the fleet space, and they just need a business plan a Bible or or a roadmap as to how to get them back on track in order to find ways to reduce costs, be more efficient, more productive in the workspace. So we'll go in and do a full analysis. And, and when we're hired to do a full analysis, we leave no rocks unturned. So we look at their entire operation from how they're using technology uh, to the staffing of their, their fleet size to the age of their vehicles. We look at their policies, we look at their procedures, we look at their operating costs and how they're actually doing business. And then we provide them after the end of the day, usually it's a multi-day uh, analytical study. We'll go into their sites now uh, prior to COVID. Naturally, we, we do a lot of work online now. And we'll provide them with a, a business plan. And that business plan provides them in our approach a step-by-step process of what they need to do first. And so we designed it in a immediately needs to be looked at. These things need to be resolved. Uh, the second immediate is the intermediate step set that can be taken after you've completed phase one. And then long-term goals and objectives. And if, if they follow those steps, step one, two, and three, they're guaranteed to be successful and they will save money in the areas that we identify. Other cases could be where a, a fleet organization brings us in to do individual verticals. So we don't do a full analysis. They want us to come in and do a staffing study, or they may want us to come in and do a utilization study, or they may want us to write a policy and procedure. So it's not a full analysis. It's these are areas where they have deficiencies. They know where the deficiencies are, and, and we are just going to focus on that one particular single vertical, if that helps. It, it does. It, it brings up a lot of questions. You yeah, know. as uh, it should. And that's, that's, that's why we're <laughs> calling this an interview. So, <laughs> well, I mean, the, um, 
So there's all kinds of efficiencies. You are working largely for government. Do you ever work for, um, like, I'm in the trucking fleet space. Do you ever work for fleets? Don't do a lot of, we don't do a lot of work for private companies. Not that we don't want to. We certainly want to get more into the private space because as you can imagine, there are, there are uh, things that obviously discourage in time that need to be spent in the government space. A lot of nuances, as you can imagine. Uh, a lot of red tape. I shouldn't say that as a negative term, but obviously it does prolong the time it takes to get into the hey, government space, it's obviously. Taxpayers. You know this. It's all taxpayers' dollars, and yep. uh, you know politicians have to be aware of how they spend taxpayer dollars. Absolutely, they and they should. Their due yeah. diligence obviously takes a lot of time. Let's face it, and so we can get things done much faster in the private space. But because of my background in thirty-two years in the government, we have a tendency to gravitate towards that side of the house because I have a lot of contacts. People know me in that space, and we have a great reputation. Uh, but nevertheless, is what we do has the same impact, and a lot of the fleets work very similar in parallels. So it doesn't matter whether it's a government or a private fleet trucking organization. A lot of the things that we discover are very similar in trends and philosophies, and we could we could provide those same services to a private fleet as we can with a government fleet. If that helps answer the question, well, it does, and. You know, one of the things that came out, you and I did, um, when I first met you through Ron, we were doing a webinar for the Idle Free. And one of the things that came up um, through our conversations, I don't know whether it was on the actual webinar or not, is that you help fleets, and fleets being government or private, determine um, a cost if, when it's time to trade their equipment in. Is that correct? I'm not saying it right, I'm sure, but. No, no, you're, you're, you're dead on and good, good transition to, of conversation because another thing that we do in addition to our fleet consulting is we have through past experiences of doing studies, we've done equipment replacement analytics for many, many fleets. And what they wanted to know was what's the optimal time to replace my vehicle? When should I replace it? What happens if I don't replace it? What does what does those replacement inflationary costs look like? What does the maintenance cost look like as I hold them over? And what are the financial impacts and implications such as reliability and obviously other costs associated to holding the vehicle too long? And we've done that study, I can't tell you how many times. And in doing so, we found that this is a dire need in that space. And so we developed our own proprietary software that any fleet can use, regardless of size. It, it could be 10 vehicles, it could be hundreds of thousands of vehicles. It's infinity as to how many vehicles of software uh, can be loaded. And the system will tell a fleet owner when to replace those vehicles, what's the optimal time, so that they can look at the cost associated to ownership of maintenance versus the acquisition cost in some other algorithms that really tells them the best time to replace those vehicles. And so what we have found is this is a tool that has been very successful in our consulting business. So not only are we now consultants, but we're also software entrepreneurs. Oh, that's which, cool. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, takes us down a whole other rabbit hole, right, for means of discussion. Well, and, and for 
the space that I'm in, as you know, I'm a trucking safety consultant. And I try to help people uh, operate their fleet safely. Uh, what you're doing could directly benefit many of my customers by determining scientifically, if, if that's the right thought, when should I replace my equipment? Because that's a, you know, a real stress point, I think. Um, when stuff starts to wear out and starts to break down more, you know, so I'm interested in, in that. Can you tell me a little bit more about how the software works? Does it take into account, for instance, um, one trucking manufacturer, uh, you know, this is 2020. So if I bought a, a truck in 2020 and it turns out that that truck was a lemon, does the software know that that is a lemon from other history or is it just looking at my fleet's history, for instance? Yeah, no, great question. So I'll put my, I'll put my scientific glasses on for, for this question, right? <laughs> okay. Not that, not that it helps me look any better, but it makes me maybe look smarter. I don't know. Uh, so, so yes, there's a lot of dynamics between our organizations. So when, when we go into a trucking fleet or a government fleet, we're looking at ways to improve their operation and technology, which you offer. Or, or another aspect of consulting is a way of us looking at a certain area and say, hey, we need to bring in a subcontractor such as, as Chris Harris to help you, obviously, in this area because we have we have found a deficiency, right? So, so when we go in, we don't claim to have all the technologies in, in our tool chest, but we know them all. And so we can help that fleet, obviously, know who's out there. We can obviously convey that information to them and then bring in a subcontractor such as yourself to help those things. But to answer your question with respect to the technology is that we're using a lot of data-driven algorithms. So we're bringing in the cost of those vehicles, and then we're doing analytical comparison within the software that automatically analyzes and looks at the cost of that particular vehicle. So when you talk about it, it's the lemon. Well, what the system will do is because of the six different algorithms that we use, kind of our secret sauce, as we like to describe it, is that it will start to compare the reliability cost of one class of vehicle to another similar class of vehicles. And so if you start to see red flags and you see high cost, it can compare one class to another. And that's a red flag to you to say, you know what, this vehicle's costing me a lot of money to operate. And compared to what that same year make and model and similar year vehicle is costing a lot less. Why? Let's look at some of those trends to see if we can identify why it's costing you more. Maybe it's just because the vehicle is being used more. Let's look at the miles. Maybe it's because it's idling more, as Ron Zima is an expert in. Uh, maybe it's because it is a one. And maybe it's just not a, a sound vehicle. And so we need to look at those trends and the software automatically does it for the customer. So they don't have to go through any scientific formula. The system identifies it immediately, and then we can drill down on those areas. Uh, that A um, couple of weeks ago, I, I forget what episode it was, we had uh, Brett from GP Transco. It's a, a fleet out of Chicago, or the Chicago area, about 600 trucks, if I remember. And he's the maintenance fellow there. And he was talking about being able, through his software that he's using, um, being able to identify a shortcoming in a unit. And he's, you know, says, Hey, at 600,000 miles, I know typically this thing breaks, whatever. Yep. And so he says at 550, 
I'm going to replace it before it breaks on me on the road. Is that something yeah. similar? Yeah, yeah. Well, something similar, except for we probably take it. I take my glasses off because we're, we're no longer doing scientifical discoveries. <laughs> uh, it's very similar. However, what we do is we use a lot of different other formulas. So what, what we find in the industry is that a lot of our customers will use a, a very similar baseline methodology to say, well, when it reaches X amount of dollars, I know I'm going to spend this amount of money. And so I'm going to go ahead and replace it at, say, 500,000 miles or, say, maybe 15 to 20 years. Well, and that's a that's a good baseline, but it's not the only thing that you need to discover because when we look at those vehicles, we can disclose through the software to say, well, okay, you've reached that 500,000. Let's look at what you've spent. Let's look at comparison to the acquisition. Now let's look at the condition and let's look at the uh, the age of the vehicle. Let's look at other formulas and the algorithm will then say, okay, yes, you you definitely reached a plateau of 500,000 and yes, you've reached 10 years, but is it really costing you that much to maintain it so that you don't have to just replace a vehicle just because it's reached a certain kind of its age and miles. And so the algorithms automatically will disclose that and say, yeah, it is a good time or no, it's not a good time. And you can defer it. And, and then we have in our software a what we refer to as a 10-year projection. So the system will automatically forecast out, okay, here's where you're at. Here's your baseline. Here's what you've spent. Let's look at see what happens as we hold the vehicle over over time. And let's look at some of those costs and see if when we'll reach that plateau to exceed the acquisition cost. And I can tell you just in the software that in one year later, two years later, four years later, after the original baseline, when you're going to reach that plateau. So now you know. Now you can say, well, I can hold this thing out another three or four years, and now I don't need to replace it because some of these, especially as you know, Chris, some of these, these heavy-duty over-the-road eight Class 8 trucks get very expensive. Uh, now we're talking about maybe vehicles that maybe cost twenty six, thirty, forty thousand dollars. When you start talking hundreds of thousand dollars, there's huge incremental savings and safety and reliability that can be factored into the equation. Yeah, I mean trucks are just so expensive, along with the trailers that go along. In you know my world, it's almost all tractor trailers, a few straight trucks. But yeah, I mean up here in Canada. I'm guessing a tractor today with the dollar exchange and everything has got to be 160 to 190, uh, pushing 200,000. And trailers are, God, I haven't asked a customer of mine in a while, but I'll bet you a dry van has got to be 50 or 60,000. And then reefers are probably a hundred grand. Um, so that's a lot of money. It, it, it is a, a lot of money, Chris. And, and one of the things that now is driving a lot of activity in our, in our company, in our business, not only from the consulting side, but from the, the profit software side, is, is that because of COVID-19, uh, we're all facing a, a, a major financial downturn, regardless of what country you may be living in and operating in, is that you're now faced with Maybe a downturn in your, in your company's expenditure. Maybe the revenue stream has decreased a little bit. And now you're faced with, okay, you know what? We had X amount of dollars saved for replacement, but now we need to reallocate that to, to other parts of the business. So how do we then decide how to pare it down? 
And, and that's where it becomes complicated is that do I just replace them all and spend the money or do I start to prioritize and maybe only spend half of my replacement dollars and which vehicles should I replace because I don't know necessarily at this point which ones are costing me more to operate and which ones are less reliable. That's where the software really helps because then you can look at the algorithms without having a, a complicated Excel spreadsheet. You can look at a simple report and right away you can say by priority, I'm going to start with the top, top vehicle that's costing me and, and the most, whether it's reliability, maintenance cost, or obviously the condition of the vehicle and start packing away at that order. And, and that in itself can save any organization hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's, to me, this is really interesting. Um, after we get out of this COVID, uh, situation, um, you know, I, I'm afraid of what taxes are going to do to companies like yours and mine and, and my customers, the fleets, because I, certainly here in Canada, they've spent a ton, just a ton of money keeping businesses afloat. And I imagine it's much the same down in the States. You're, I know you're based in California and have they not spent just a ton of money down there? They, they have, they have, they, they have spent a lot of money, but the, there's also another side of it is, is where we're finding with a lot of the fleets that we're working with is there's a lot of, there's a lot of downturn and there's a lot of cutbacks. And that's one of the more difficult things that we're facing is a lot of fleets are being forced to reduce their either capital expenses or their operating costs and looking at ways of reducing money and, and, it's not necessarily reducing money by deploying technology. It's just simply we're just not spending, whether it's travel, whether it's equipment replacement, or whether it's not not deploying money into technology. Is that they're just putting money back into into the coffer, just finding ways of putting money back into the bank rather than spending it, which which is counterproductive. And you know this is that if you you know, and this is kind of a discussion we get into is that. Deferral seems like a great way to save money because you're not spending. But if you don't look at how you are going to pay me now, pay me later, uh, it, it could be a very difficult situation to flip that in time because then it actually winds up costing you more money to maintain those vehicles over time by deferring the, the replacement today, as you probably well know. And, I mean, I'm just thinking... Um a lot of your customers, because they are government, I would imagine a lot of them have seen a downturn in taxes, in revenues, uh, because businesses aren't, if you're not generating revenue, you don't have to pay tax. Um, and so, yeah, I can see a real belt tightening in, you know, cities and um, different uh, jurisdictions. In the trucking area that I I do, it really depended on what commodities they held. If they were a food hauler, they're busy as all get out. If they were an automotive hauler, now the, the plants have largely opened up now, but if you uh, hauled automotive plants during COVID, your fleet was just about shut down. So oh, absolutely. It, yeah. it was just a huge difference. Yeah, um, no, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, and that's one of the struggles that I think a lot of government agencies are facing is that you're right. If you're a private company, you're faced with the commodity and obviously the revenue from, from sending the merchandise to your client, which then in our situation, it's, 
it's the government fleets that are not either getting hotel taxes or not getting business taxes from hotels, restaurants, and commerce. And, and that's where the revenue stream comes from when you're a government agency. The, yes, there, there are, there are property taxes and those are usually state driven taxes. Um, and, and that is ongoing. But when there is a shutdown of hotel taxes and obviously commerce taxes, that, that's a big revenue stream. And that can make a big blanket of, of the amount of money that's available for them to spend. And they may need to hold that over until hopefully the economy starts to peak up again. Yeah, I mean, just the way you're talking, just because I'm so close to Niagara Falls, and of course, um, you may not know because you're so far away from Niagara Falls, but the revenue stream, I believe, uh, from tourists, it's 70% you American tourists come to Niagara Falls to spend money. Well, of, of course, that jurisdiction uh, is going to be hard hit. Uh, Vegas would be another one that I got to believe is hard hit because a lot of companies are saying, why are we traveling? Why are we going to a convention? And, yeah. You know, so anybody that works in different areas, this COVID, I, my my imagination can't tell me how it's all going to work out in 20 years. But my children will still be paying the price in 20 years, I'm sure, of COVID. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it, this is probably a whole nother interview with someone <laughs> that's three levels uh, smarter than I. Even my glasses won't overcome, obviously, this conversation to make me look like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, we, I mean, if we think about it logically, uh, the, the cost of just a convention center alone when there's no trade shows and travel in the hotels and the restaurants, I mean, it just has a catastrophic dynamic of, of the revenue that are brought into a municipal agency, you know, let alone Vegas and you have your, your beach communities in, in certain parts of the, of the country, certain states, you know, like Florida, where there's a huge amount of tourists, all that parlays into so much lost money. And I think that's the struggle that we deal with right now is do we, do we shut down again, whether it's, Know, a Canadian country or a U.S. country, do we shut it down and lose that revenue stream or do we just heal and get better and deal with it? You know, and now obviously with, you know, the U.S. market, obviously there's, there's stimulus money coming in, but that's not free money. I mean, that's, that yeah. is, that is debt that we're acquiring that someone's going to have to pay back. And, and we're just not writing ourselves a blank check with no, no thought in mind that that has never has to be paid back. So your children, uh, their children will eventually, unfortunately, have to balance that budget somehow. And I have no idea if that's going to take place because we're not talking millions. We're talking trillions. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a big, big thing. <laughs> yeah, these are like, I can imagine what a million dollars is. I have no idea what a billion is. And, of course, um, our, the governments, uh, your government spends 10 times more than my government, only and I don't know that that's an accurate number, but your population is 10 times more than Canada. And so that's just by extrapolation. I'm saying, hey, you probably spend 10 times more. I can't imagine, you know, a million, a, tr a billion, and now government's talking trillions. Um, you know, and 
it, it's going to be interesting in the coming years um, for the whole world as to how tax goes. So to get back on to Longobard and Ross, <laughs> well, now I mean, that we solve the economic world. <laughs> I just find this whole thing fascinating. Um, you know, thank God I'm 65 years old and at the end of my working career uh, so that I can kind of look at it and go, well, it's not going to affect me for too long, um, but it's certainly going to affect my kids and grandkids and, and stuff. And it's just an interesting discussion. So for Longobart and Ross, how has this whole thing affected you and I guess maybe uh, since a lot of your customers are government agencies and you've kind of hinted that you're seeing cutbacks from the government agencies, what's the plan going forward? Um, why would a government agency want to hire Longobart and Ross right now to achieve some of their goals? Like, tell, I think, I, I never know how to end those questions, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. but you know, a government agency, if I was in charge, how could you save me money? Because that's obviously the end goal. Um, my tax revenue is down. Uh, my equipment is falling apart. Uh, geez, Rick, help, help me save me money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, surprisingly enough, Chris, as you say that, uh, interesting enough, since we've been in this, what, since, since April 2000. 19, I think it was, uh, our, our 20, April 2020. Yeah. Uh, so we've been in this for six months. Surprisingly enough, which seems to be interesting, is that we have been busier than we ever have in our, in our company's existence in 2013. Uh, and I don't know what the formula is or what the chemistry is or what the reason why is. I have a few ideas. Uh, I don't know that they're scientific. Uh, but it seems like we have drawn a lot of interest of, of agencies wanting to bring us in either on the consulting side or on our software side for a variety of reasons. One, maybe because people are working from home and we got their caption, we got them, we got them in an attention span where they're not being distracted as much as they are in the workspace. Uh, and so we've got their undue attention where we can grab them and show them our software. And there seems to be a lot more interest. And maybe they have more time because they're working from home. Uh, two is I think the, the government agencies or private agencies are, are looking for ways of reducing costs. So bringing in a consultant, yes, unfortunately, they have to spend a little upfront money. But if we can come in and look at their operation, we generally can one or two areas can triple the amount of savings versus the investment of hiring a consultant. So yeah. oftentimes they know that it's going to either save them money in soft costs by not having to have as many staff or maybe they're understaffed or maybe just by deploying a certain technology over time will by far save them more money than they're spending. And they need to do something because let's face it, sitting in and doing nothing will provide nothing. So they've got to be creative and they've got to look at all avenues of ways that has potentiality of saving money, and we're one of them. Uh, we're a way of coming in and looking and analyzing their operation and saving up money. We know equipment replacement has a way of deferring vehicles that just deferring one vehicle just from the cost of our software will by far triple the amount that they'll spend by replacing one vehicle by making a one-time solutions investment. So there's a lot of different reasons why I think we're capturing a lot of attention. Uh, 
it, I know it's a difficult time for all of us, but we need to do something. We need to find ways to reduce costs and, and deploy either technology or bring in a consultant to help find ways of internally reducing the cost within their operation. And I mean, one of the benefits of hiring a consultant, uh, you've already got the software, for instance. And, and I believe in using technology as, because it just saves money. Um, so why would I go out as a municipality or as a city and buy it when I can, I don't need it for a long period of time. Maybe I need it once every five years to do an analysis. Um, because I would imagine, is that a good time frame? Every five years I should bring Longo Barton Ross in to, to review? Yeah, you always, you always want to do a refresher. So, you know, you don't want to hire a consultant to come in on an annual basis because they're probably going to already tell you something that you already know. Right. Uh, however, as, as you know, thing, pe- people, and obviously technology changes quite rapidly. Uh, to, to, to do it every three to five years, to bring someone in to have a fresh set of eyes or some new blood within your organization is always going to foster new opportunities to make sure that you're not overlooking something. Uh, now, our software, you know, we're a subscription-based, so... A, a technically, a user can come in and, and use our software for a year, run reports, and say, you know what, I loved it, it worked great. Uh, you know, we prefer, obviously, to have a client that's that has a long legacy of, of loyalty and they keep the using the software, but nothing prevents them from saying, hey, we're going to use it one year, uh, we don't need it for the, the second year subscription, and we'll bring it back in the third year. And they can alternate years. It's not something that they have to buy a license and keep it for infinity. Uh, it probably would be more effective if they did. However, there's nothing that prevents them from turning the switch off and saying, we'll bring it back in the following year. And that's the beauty of what we refer to as SaaS, software as a service, where they can have it as a subscription base and use it at their discretion versus obviously buying the bucket all at one time and putting a lot of upfront cash at one time and having to make that big, huge, solid investment. They just pay it incrementally as they go. Well, and... Everything is going subscription. I, you know, I look at my credit card every month. <laughs> and it, I mean, I'm a Mac user, so I've got Apple subscription. I've got a Google subscription. I've got different software that I'm paying monthly for. Well, not paying monthly for, subscribing uh, for, because I, I use it um, on a regular basis. Uh, you know, it is the way, I don't know if it's the way of the future. It is the way of the now. Uh, because we used to buy all this stuff. And then it, now it's all started to subscribe. Um, but anyways. Yeah, it, good, good, good point. And the next technology software is, is, and it's already out will be software that can retain all your passwords for all these subscriptions. Because God knows I can't remember them all. You, you technically should be using the same passwords, uh, to obviously avoid from hackers and spam. So. That'll be a whole other subscription there that you'll have to remember that password uh, and get your passwords. And I, I have, uh, I already pay for one. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and it is a subscription, by the way. Yep. And, and I love it. Um, it's called One Password. It's available for Mac and uh, Windows users. I don't know if anybody else, like whether it's good for Linux or not. But I'll tell you, I love it because it generates or I allow it to generate a different password for every uh, login. And I only have to remember the master password. Um, you know, so. Well, and you revealed your age, Chris, and I'm not too far behind you. So as, as, as we 
get older and pass through this journey, uh, those things become a little more difficult to remember. So I'm a big proponent of, of, of the technology that you just described. Yeah, well, it, I like it. Um, but even that, they tell you, God, I can't even remember how long my master password is. It's a pain in the butt because it's long and it's got symbols and all the, right. the stuff that they tell you to put. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's when you that's when you need to put these on. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, that's where my hat comes on, go. and uh, <laughs> you know, I just look like a dummy, and uh, I can uh, I can do that. Look at Rick, I, just I, I be, like the look. I think you should stick with it. Well, here, maybe I should turn it. There you go. A little more. Well, now, now, now you got a rally cap when sports comes fully back. <laughs> you well, you kind of you kind of look like uh, Andy Garcia a little bit there. I don't know. Well, <laughs> Grateful well, Dad has come back. Uh, hopefully, uh, sports is back. Although I know baseball's having a devil of a time at the moment, uh, because they did it different than hockey. Hockey's a bubble, as you yep. probably are aware. Um, baseball, they're traveling from city to city and they're having some difficulties with it. Basketball, is basketball a bubble? Is, are they in Orlando? I think. Yeah, I think they're in a bubble too. Uh, you know, the only difference is that you know, you you would think if baseball done right, it would be successful, uh, opposed to maybe football or basketball, where there's more contact sports. Yeah, and you have a tendency, I would think, obviously, in cases such as that, to transmit obviously the potential virus when you're so close, opposed to where baseball is. You know, you've got that social distancing. Uh, you know, short of obviously contact at the plate, you would think it would be successful. But when you're traveling. And going home and coming back, I think, you know, that's where the challenges become. It's, a, it's definitely a difficult time in any, any type of arena. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about sports, but we're, yeah. we're just supposed to be talking about Longobart and Ross. Yeah, yeah no, we've, we have definitely <laughs> solved many problems, both financially and sports and technology and consulting. So I think this has been a very successful interview. We've, uh, we've accomplished quite a bit. Uh, and, and, and you definitely have got the Bosley for hair solution solved. So I think, I, I think. <laughs> There's no more interviews required after this one. I think. <laughs> All right. The last word, kind. well, it's never the last word because I always get the last word, but uh, <laughs> the last thought that you want to express while you're here. You know, Chris, I just really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Obviously, you know, we're, we are amongst many other consulting companies. Uh, we like to obviously brand ourselves as, as, a, as a very friendly company. We're not the biggest, but we like to think ourselves as the best. Obviously, we do what's best in the interest of the, of the, of the agency, and we, we really try to be part of the family. We try to customize our consulting so that we're not just going in, doing a job, and then leaving. We want to make sure that it's successful. And so our best customers are not the most the ones that spend the most, it's the ones that really, at the end of the day, provides us with a testimonial that said, you know, you guys came in, you did your job, you provided us with a report that was easy to understand, easy to read, and guess what? Don Garnet, uh, it was, it was, I had to throw that in one more time, it was successful. We were actually able to accomplish what we set out to do. And if they're successful, we are successful, both either on our consulting side or on what we refer to as profit software. If they use it, then we're happy. Uh, the worst scenario is when we launch software, we load all their data, we migrate it into the system, but they never use it. it, it you know, it, if you have our software and we make money off the software, that is not what we're after. We're after for the customer 
that really uses the software and benefits from it. Otherwise, it's a subscription that they're not using, and that doesn't parlay into more business. And, you know, you just reminded me of the fact that I have subscription software that I sell. I have a five-minute safety video that goes out every month. And uh, it's surprising to me how many of my customers pay for it. And they don't... I know it's hard to force drivers to do stuff or operators, but they just don't force it on them. Um, And it's they're not getting the benefit from it. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and, and interesting that you say that. Uh, and again, I don't mean to regurgitate the interview all over again. I mean, we could do this for another probably three days. Uh, we found out that that was the case as well. I mean, our system can tell us when people are logged in and when they're not logged in and, and the activity of it. So we actually self-generated reports that automatically send the emails to the clients. And that report could be sent to anybody within the organization, whether they're a subscriber user or not. It can be sent to the administrator, could be sent to their boss. It automatically generates reports just for that specific reason. Now, whether they do anything with the reports, it's a whole other subject, but it automatically sends them information so that they know it's out there. It's designed to be a tickler red flag to say, hey, I'm out there. Uh, make sure you look at this stuff because it's important and it's only as good as we refer to as a cliche is is people before projects is, is, is the software is only good as good as the people that are behind the keyboards. Yeah, and the, that's always the problem. And and usually the um, I had a software problem on one of my sus- subscriptions, and of course the problem was between the seat and the keyboard, and had yep. nothing to do with the software. <laughs> right. You know, once they You're explained it to correct. me. Look at Rick, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. And I hope like heck we are out of COVID and all of its stuff very, very soon. Thanks so much, yeah, my like, friend. No, I said sorry, Chris, didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I really I really appreciate this opportunity. Obviously, you don't come by on a regular basis. So we are honored and privileged to be with you today, and we thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, and, and be safe out there, Chris. Thanks so much, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Please leave us a like, a thumbs up, a review, a comment, a rating if it is in your heart. Thank you so much, and I do really appreciate your time. And join us again next week for another exciting interview.